there, nerds, and welcome to Crit Chat, where a group of DMs get together every single week and discuss the important things in life, like why your nat twenties are always strangely absent every time you're in combat, but they manage to show up when you're doing like real, real important things, like how good you pet a dog. I should know that's actually really fucking important. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, this week we have with us Alfred Clark, also known as Penny Blue. Hey. We have Emily Kuklinski on her social medias as the punny Emily. Hello. Uh, we have Hemko Verme, also known as the unlikely GM. Hello. And me as your host, Ismay Hutton, also known as a teacup gamer. Uh, so this week, friends, we are talking about uh, how to make your friends and your friends, your players, your everyone more comfortable <laughs> when playing D&D. Um, so this, like, it's important for like your players to be comfortable in general when playing, but it's especially important with new players to the game, which I think is going to be kind of a kind of a big focus on this week's episode. Um, so yeah, th- and this is also going to be very specifically important to me, which is why I care about it because uh, uh, I'm just about to start a couple of new campaigns with a couple of people that I've never played before. Um, so essentially, a couple new campaigns. Yeah, right? It's, that's what wow. happens when you move to a new city where apparently mm. no one else plays D&D. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> what is but, even yeah. happening over there? What do people do? I don't know. Like, I, Why, like, but, yeah. Yeah, I like I all my friends that live over there. Uh, I've essentially been like, oh, like we should meet up when I'm there. Like, cool. Um, you're gonna run D and D for us. <laughs> I mean, I will, but <laughs> like, and like each of their stories was the same of like, oh, I just don't know anyone else that wants to play. And these are also separate friends who definitely do know each other. I'm like, well, you, there are people that want to play. You guys are just idiots. So I'll just, <laughs> so I'm making that happen. So yeah, we're doing a whole thing on how to make. Like a room of socially awkward nerds, less socially awkward, I guess, is our our like real easy task. Mm. But yeah, so I think yeah, well, I think we'll just go around do a little, um, I don't know, like first impressions of like good ways to make people comfortable. Like this is this is pretty like easy going in terms of this podcast. We got a question. How do we answer it? <laughs> um, I'm gonna roll my d4. So fuck it. It's not a d and d talk without dice being called. I know, right? Um, Speaking of you speaking, Hemko, you're up first. (laughs) Speaking of you speaking. All right, how do I make people comfortable? Um, I have no idea. I make people around me very uncomfortable. I feel that. (laughs) Not from you. I feel that for me. That was a mean thing that I said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, um, It's very tricky. I mean, I don't think anybody has the right answer because people are so different mm-hmm. um and before the podcast i've, I've been kind of i've been strangely enough i've been expecting this question um Ooh. and i've been thinking about it and <laughs> more than i have which is a bad sign for the podcast but still <laughs> well can't seem like professionals now can we <laughs> um but most i could really come up with was these very general ideas of, of certain mindset because in the end you have to treat everybody as individuals right? mm-hmm. we can go over the very standard way of communicating with your players you you talk to each person and see what you know what you can do to make that person more comfortable um i think overall the best thing to do is realize that um yes you need to be friendly at the table and get along but 
not everybody at the table needs to become besties, like in or outside the game. You got a group of players, and as long as you are all enjoying D&D together and having fun and feeling fairly comfortable during the game, that might just be enough. Don't 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 think like, oh, my players aren't comfortable or they're not getting along or they're not meshing well because they're not becoming best friends outside the game. Interesting. Like, I have no frame of reference for this because, like, my only friends are my D&D friends, but... <laughs> like, yeah, but I don't think getting people to be comfortable in the game is that hard of a subject if, if your group of friends is the people you're playing yeah, D&D with. Exactly. I think it's more of a subject when you get a group of strangers together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was always thinking more of... Um, yeah, like, that was just because, like, uh, you and I were apparently thinking of, like, kind of different kinds of comfort, which is, like, really yeah. interesting to me. Um, just because, yeah, like, I, w- I was thinking more of, like, comfortable in the D&D setting of, right. you know, people who don't... Who might not necessarily want to do voices and stuff. Um, yeah, but I think that starts with getting people just comfortable in general in the group yeah. being there. Because if if people aren't encouraged to get out of their shell, if people feel awkward to the person next to them, they're not gonna they're not gonna go all the way in the role playing either. Yeah, but yeah, let's get some good advice on this advice show we do. <laughs> uh, we got up next. Uh, that's Alfred. What you got for us, Alfred? Yeah, so I, I I think one of the one of the most important thing I, I find the thing that is uh, most common uh, in terms of people being uncomfortable is not wanting to butt in, not being sure when to like add something to the conversation that's happening. Uh, I've been noticing this. We've we have a, a player who's just joined our ongoing game, <clears throat> and they um, they haven't really played before. Um, and there's, you know, there's a disgusting amount of in-jokes and references oh, yeah. uh, going on. No. <laughs> so I think you, you have to be really careful. I, I think you have to be really careful to make sure that there are um, times where that person is supposed to, to speak and contribute. Uh, and I think that as the DM, you're kind of expected to... You, I mean, you should be making sure that happens. Players should be making sure that happens as well mm-hmm. uh, by, you know, like any player can have a sidebar with their character and the new character and say like you know so what you know just like ask ask them what their deal is you know um yeah but as the dm you can definitely you should definitely be um putting moments where like like as an example if 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 the party goes into a town um you can often default to just like the per- one of the players is leading the conversation, uh, like whoever just naturally at the table, like socially is like they're, they're asking you questions yeah. and then you just talk to that player the whole time. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, a good thing to get a good thing to be in the flow of doing um, to have your NPCs pick out members of the party um, to talk about specific things like, uh, I don't know, I mean, I mean the the easy the easy obvious one is like just like arbitrary racism <laughs> for different <laughs> like player races, you know. Uh, there's always got to be like one of your players has always got to be the like the one that everyone hates. Uh, and or, but like just you know, people like people seeing that there's a paladin in your party and like they start speaking to the paladin rather than the person mm-hmm. who they were speaking to before because they want to ask them about their you know something specific to their character. Um, yeah, so moments where that player is supposed to be role-playing and you role-play to them and that just gives them an excuse to uh, just kind of go with it. 
because uh, I think yeah because players won't like it, it's tough for players to like you know just impart like just like enforce their will onto the game as it were if you see what I mean yeah like like push themselves into the uh, role play that's already happening I guess yeah I don't know when exactly I'm going to get over you know racism the easy way out in d and <laughs> <Hey>, yeah <laughs> it's so weird because it's so true Jesus Christ <laughs> like yeah even even as you were talking that was going through my head of like yeah like if there's say like the person in your your party that's kind of new and might not uh speak up as much if they're a dwarf then like just get other dwarves around and make it so that they only talk to the dwarf whatever yes. <laughs> arbitrary exactly. racism how you play D casual <laughs> racism why not <laughs> Yeah. Oh god, I'm gonna have to put a disclaimer at the start of this one, huh? <laughs> I, I was actually gonna bring up trigger warnings as a subject here, but I guess you mm. might want to bring them up for this uh, <laughs> start of this episode. The issue of racism is dicey in D and D at best, and at worst, we'll get this podcast cancelled. <laughs> I did a pun and I hated it. I love this, mate. You're joining my side. I'm welcome. I'm I'm so annoyed because you've set like a precedent for like me at least attempting to come up with puns for the titles of the episodes. I've been doing very poorly most of the time, but now I'm thinking in that like Rain Man other kind of pun (laughs) way that you managed to do. It's the like zoom in on your eyes as you're looking to the sides, (laughs) and there's like all these equations going like in the background. She has a blackboard just full of puns in her room now. Oh, no. Oh, Lord. Okay, so between me and Emily. Uh, That's a me. That's a me, Isme. Um, So, yeah, as I was saying, like, um, I was was thinking about this uh, very much as uh, making uh, new people kind of comfortable playing D&D. Just because that's very much related to what I'm having to do very soon. And I think that, like, one of the the main things that I always think of for it is just, we've said it once, we've said it a million times, the importance of you as the DM doing stupid voices. Mm. Because nothing puts new players at ease like you being an absolute fool. Um, Like, for for instance, there most times when you have, like, new groups of players that haven't played before... One of the first, like, stopping points you get to is, like, the first time that they have to talk to, like, an NPC or to each other that the dreaded line of, oh, well, I tell them this. I'm like, well, just tell them that then. It's like, be that character, like, embody that conversation. You talk to them um, like you were the character. Um and that's like it's a it's a big stopping point. So it, the sooner you as the DM go up and talk to them as a dwarf that sounds like this, and they don't know really what to do with that, then they'll get in the game. Cause like whatever, like you're being an idiot, so like they're less of an idiot in comparison to you, which definitely helps them kind of ease up. Um, Cause yeah, what like. The dream is you get a room full of people that love doing character voices, but that's hardly ever the case, especially with new people. Mm. But one day you'll turn those people into character voice loving idiots. Um, yeah. I was going to roll the D4, but that makes no sense. Emily! You're <laughs> up. 
Oh, hello. It's 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 me oh, now. It's Emily. Um, uh, I find that uh, regardless of whether they're really experienced or not at all experienced, the mm-hmm. first few sessions, it or the first while of sessions, um, when you're establishing your story and you're kind of establishing their characters, it's always best to ask leading questions and mm-hmm. not to really leave too many things open-ended because most people drown in that sea of uncertainty. Like, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> what am I supposed to ask? Mm-hmm. Um, so I always try to give them a ledge <laughs> to jump off of into a pool <laughs> instead of a ledge and only a ledge and then they widely coyote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want a diving board not to just be in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I think a lot is awareness, yeah. How you need to be aware of how the players are perceiving it. From a GM's point of view, you've got you got so much knowledge, everything is clear in your mind. They're sitting there with complete blanks with a world that is completely overwhelming. So Yeah. yeah. And when you're when your world like when you're doing a homebrew, that's I didn't realize how important that was until I started implementing it into one of my more recent campaigns. And I'm like, oh, because you get both you as the DM and the players into a rhythm of how the game will operate. And then you also find that when it comes to um, dialogue, the best way to get people to speak in character isn't to have them speak to amongst themselves at first. Because they don't know how to do that. But when you, the DM, initiate it and, like Ismay was saying, like become like the dwarf yeah. uh, <laughs> to make a seven dwarves party, um, everyone kind of <laughs> uses you as their crutch. So, yeah. I don't know. The, the main way to make people comfortable, I think, is to act by example. And then everyone kind of lets go of their fourth wall and they get into mm. the game. I yeah I I really like the idea of um now that you've kind of said it I really like the idea of um starting like starting set games with having like a lot of one on one stuff before everyone is uh like acting as a group oh. so that you have an excuse to just be like you you know you because then you can pick like the most experienced player and you like first off you you two like you know you just like role play a scene with them and then and nobody you know and then because everyone everyone has feels like they have permission to be role-playing and um yeah yeah i do have a question related to that that maybe you guys can help that i've a problem that i've run into when you do this Mm -hmm. Uh, because i completely agree with what you guys are saying um and and i do the same but i've also run into situations where instead of being comforted by the idea that it's okay to let loose i've found players that then get so intimidated by the level and quality of voices and roleplay that they become insecure and want to do it even less. Uh, how would you deal with that? Yeah. That's, it's a good question. My voices are so bad that no one could possibly be intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Maybe that's the secret. <laughs> it wasn't a humble brag. It's more I've experienced with a player. Like what you said, if you start with the mm-hmm. most experienced player, uh, because it's more because you said that, because that, that gets scary. But what if you have this amazing role-playing player and you start with him? Um, yes, you set the bar for how foolish you should be and how far you can let go, but you're also at danger of setting uh, um, 
of that most experienced player setting the bar for quality that other players then feel like they need to live up to. Mm. Yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. I think I was just imagining like the, just anyone who was definitely comfortable role-playing yeah. and kind of knows what is expected yeah. to happen. But yeah, oh, I agree with you. Point. I don't have the answer. I'm asking you guys to help out here. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, uh, yeah, here's yeah. a counter-argument. It's like, I, I know, I, I love your methods. <laughs> We've discovered the secret of the podcast is just for people sitting around being like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, we we spend the whole podcast like the complete opposite of the Wizard of Oz. We're like, hey, dudes, we're right behind the curtain. It's cool. We're just we're just weirdos from Kansas. Actually, I think he's from Nebraska. He's from Nebraska. That's a fun, yeah. that's a fun piece of trivia. I like thinking that maybe it's the opposite of the Wizard of Oz. It's like the answers were not inside of us all along. (laughs) (laughs) The answers were on the internet and we read them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The the way that I normally do it is I don't, uh, I don't have the most experienced person go first. And so that way they, they can kind of just feel it out. And I don't really mind if they don't get into role-playing with me because um, so long as they're, like, thinking critically and in character, um, the interactions always go by pretty well. And they usually slip in and out when you're directly asking them questions. And it's like improv, again, where it's you always yes-and them. Like, I don't... I don't really like forcing my players to speak in character. I tell them that I I like it, but do what you're most comfortable with. Mm. Because some people, yeah. like even with writing styles, some people are more comfortable with first person writing. Some people are mm-hmm. best with a third person. And it's all still good storytelling. And it just gives you different perspectives on like who they are and how they're trying to translate their inner monologue to a one-on-one interaction. I never thought about yeah. it like that. Yeah, and I, I think it also adds to the point where, you know, the expectations you said of your players beforehand. Um, I, I, I'm at danger of slipping into this, oh, I expect quality from all the players uh, because, because of course, I do the, the live D&D broadcast uh, where it's it has to be entertaining, so everybody kind of has to do a good job as a player, uh, which is fine. It's, they know what they signed up for, but it's a danger of slipping into my private games, and then I have to remind myself, and while I'm at it, remind others listening to this podcast that you don't necessarily have to do that. Indeed, if somebody isn't role playing majorly well, as long as they're having a good time, it's fine. Yeah. Just because they're not getting into character like the rest of the group doesn't mean they're not comfortable and not having a good time in the game and maybe that's okay yeah no that's a really good point like it's like people's kind of comfort levels are different so if someone if someone is like comfortable playing D but not comfortable doing the whole like well i will do this and i will do that then that's uh i don't know it's cool but yeah no that was that was one of the things that uh sarah in chat was saying like if if you are as a dm trying to encourage people to um kind of even at the forefront, get into playing as a character. Uh, encourage them to do to say, "I do this" instead of, "Oh, well, my character does this." Uh, just because, yeah, that that yeah, kind yeah. of yeah. inspires people to. That's a good. Yeah, like that, that. That's one of those ones that it. It's very like I remember that when playing because it's kind. Of, it's very obvious when you're playing with new people and they do that whole. Oh, well, my character does this. It reminds me of like when they're 
I don't know, it might be like they're it's still in the mindset of playing computer games because when you do that, then it's you making a character do something. Whereas in D&D, the line between like your character and you are a bit more blurry because, you know, you've created the ding-dang character. Yeah, and I think the computer game crowd kind of looks for an answer, looks for you to give them options. In computer games, like, here's four for uh, dialogue options to choose from and you can mm-hmm. contemplate and go like okay well my character ends up saying this yeah and I think they're kind of fishing for options from you as a GM at that point and it's like you're the one that has to do mm-hmm. you, you have complete control of your character you gotta remind them of that it's yeah. all you yeah I think maybe I don't I, like I've, I've never done this before but bringing that up maybe like do you think that might be kind of a good jumping off point to make people comfortable because i've had that conversation like quite a few times with people that are new to the game uh when you started in the classic you're in a tavern because it's always in a tavern um where nothing wrong with that i said like i will never knock a tavern opening tavern openings are the best i embrace the cliches like it's the it's the best one because like who doesn't like the idea of your characters either like stridering in the corners or all having a drink together at a table it's delightful i think that's kind of the magic of the the tavern opening is that everyone like no one's gonna be like oh oh uh too many options i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) yeah Uh, everyone's gonna be like yeah i'm having a drink or like i'm gambling in the corner or you know someone has a everyone everyone has and I, i plenty of ideas of things that can happen in a tavern I think that's actually because we're talking about getting people comfortable, and yeah. and I think uh, yeah, what 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 Emily said, where you give them something to hold on to, like like not open questions, but leading questions. Mm-hmm. Wait, it was Emily that said it, right? Not yeah, Alfred. People normally mistake the two of us. Uh, yeah, you look very similar. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you said that because I actually have on my notes like leading questions in capital letters, and then I was, I was yeah. happy when Emily put out. Yeah, yeah, and that's. <laughs> Because you, you you don't want to have this overall exactly you don't want them to be sitting together and then have the players role play with each other at first that doesn't help make comfortable I think there's two ways really only to properly open a campaign either the classic tavern because mm-hmm. it's comfortable because people know what to expect and exactly everything you just said or indeed the complete in media res where you don't have a lot of options. It's like, here's a situation, respond to it. And then immediately the characters have to respond to individual situations. I do think that's really the only two good openers for a campaign and make people comfortable and not have just awkward silences of, okay, yeah. you're sitting around a campfire. Uh, yeah. Talk. Uh. <laughs> immediately establish connections. Ooh. <laughs> uh, connect. And be friends. <laughs> you made connect yeah. four. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Can I yeah. roll a charisma check? <laughs> yeah, he's like, roll a charisma check. See what I say. Oh. <laughs> oh, you know, I, yeah, I think that that's kind of the beauty of the opening up in, uh, in a tavern because it's a setting that even if, I don't know, if, even if you as a person don't really go to bars in general, it's you know you 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 know what a bar is all about you you know the kind of things you can do there um and it's kind of a very it's a familiar setting so it's not at least for new people if you're all just in a world where they're like yeah this is an entire fantasy world look there's a dragon on the hillside that's a lot to take in for when you're already like trying to embody a new character you're at a table with maybe unfamiliar people playing a weird unfamiliar game 
something that is so natural mm. and so like all like everyone yeah everyone knows what it, what being in a tavern would be like it gives you that good opportunity to ask your leading questions and be like yeah so what would your character be doing in a bar and pray to god they're not all stridering i will never give this up you want something that's familiar but not too familiar not too but, familiar but <laughs> not too unfamiliar not, not familiar <laughs> <laughs> and you do need to present options. They need something to interact with. So you don't want them to go, okay, you're in a tyrant. All right, all right, role play, ordering drinks. Mm-hmm. Have a character come up to one character and they ask them questions. But yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, that's what awesome. was I was thinking of before, like when, I, when we were talking about um, people kind of looking for that um, video game kind of feel to D&D when they're normally given a lot of options they can do. Um I feel like maybe a bar is a nice place to kind of maybe start and show people that they do have options without it being so unnatural to the game. Um, Because you can, yeah, you can ask what they're doing and have everyone kind of spawn conversations from that. So there are options that are... Because, yeah, there's there's not going to be someone that thinks, oh, one of the options here is to just go outside and fight the dragon that's obviously there. It's very contained in a nice little microcosm environment where you might you, you, you might have like some good little idea of what you would be doing in a bar, which is nice. Yeah. Like that one guy jam has the has a suggestion of we just have them all wake up in the same room, not knowing any of the others and not knowing what happened the night before. So like after the aftermath of the tavern. <laughs> makes you have to introduce yourself at least. It's extremely good. <laughs> Uh, I, it, it is kind of the uh, the opposite. It's it's pretty like that's that is kind of the opening where you're. I, I feel like that would be uncomfortable. <laughs> basically, yeah, right. like, that go. would be like everyone. And now go talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's very awkward. You, they shouldn't have to rely on themselves or each other at the start. Anyway, later mm-hmm. people obviously you are amazed by the amazing stuff your players can come up with. But at the start, mm-hmm. they they they're looking for you. Uh, for guidance as as a DM, mm-hmm. um, I had uh, I had a one shot last Sunday. It was so much fun. We had some guest players, so people who were completely new. We were playing a cool. different system than D anD. d We were playing Savage Worlds, which some people have never oh, played yeah. before. We were playing a completely different setting, and it was a one shot. So we had to get it all done in in four hours. And you could just see how uncomfortable people were. Going, I don't know the rules for this game. I don't mm-hmm. know these people. I don't know this setting. <laughs> What's going on? And uh, very quickly, uh, the setting was uh, Weird Wars 2. So it's like Hellboy, uh, paranormal (laughs) stuff, Indiana Jones style adventures, Mm -hmm. Pulp Fiction adventures. Okay, how do I start this quickly? We can't have an hour of conversation in Tavern in a four-hour one-shot. And I had them just being delivered to their target in a plane in a big... B seventeen bomber, and it's like okay, well, one person was sitting in the cockpit, and we started, and I went from the from the front to the back, describing as the game started, and I said, okay, um, you're sitting in the cockpit, and I made the co-pilot immediately like ask him a question, uh, and that was the role-playing direction. And I moved further, and I introduced the other character, and he was sitting there with the navigator, and uh, there was a little interaction or a little question going, uh, are we still on course? And then that player immediately is asked to make a roll and do a navigation check and, 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 and role-play it. And I went through the characters one by one, and then 
an actual aerial fight happened as harpies flew over that they immediately had to respond to. But I uh, went good, yes. through them one by one, immediately in the action, and it, it gave this feeling that, okay, I immediately understand what my character's doing, where it is, what situation we're in. And uh, I, I think that that really that really helped to get people comfortable with their character. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. more of throw them under the bus, do whatever. Yeah. You, well, not throw them under the bus. That's not that's not the <laughs> phrase I'm looking for, huh? <laughs> yeah, but have the bus barreling towards them as to how they respond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that's that's probably what I meant. I don't know. What I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, just. Yeah, I really like that. Um, it, it it also works with the kind of leading. Quite, I I like to say um, rather than um, you know, uh, making judge, like you can ask, you can say something like uh, one of you is one of you is in the cockpit. Who's who's in the cockpit? Kind of thing. Like like I really like those questions because then people are like, oh, I think my character's kind of you know. Like, people will talk about their characters a little bit, and then you'll be like, and then you can just like do yeah, and then do like you were saying, okay, with them. Going through. I don't know if you ask people who like like who's in the cockpit or if you just say like you're in the cockpit. Yeah, well, I kind of put them in, but it's definitely not a bad idea. It's definitely mm-hmm. something I, I I really could have done. Uh, but in this case, because people didn't know the system, I used pre-made characters. But if they if they had mm-hmm. made the characters themselves, uh, that's that's probably would have been a really good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's just something I really like the. Um, it's really useful for it's basically hard framing essentially like i need i need a player who uh has a bad relation with the barkeep you know so you just say yeah. one of you has a bad relation with the barkeep who is it kind of thing i i also like um it will definitely change based on whether you want like if it's starting off a campaign would depend on if the characters already know each other or if they don't know each other at all um based on like how openly you're talking about your characters because everyone likes having their little like character secrets and all that mm-hmm. um but just maybe encouraging beforehand if they all know each other being like okay so just yeah tell us a little bit what what everyone probably knows about your character like they're maybe always soft-spoken or well or like they they seem to be like with their like nose in a book at all times or whether they are just meeting for the first time and seeing like first glance kind of things. I don't know, I think there's there's something to be said for both of them making people more comfortable. Uh because for for the one where they already know each other, um you can you can talk that out and you can make them have little connections so maybe at least within the first episode or two they might be comfortable enough to talk to other players or if they are all completely separate then it gives them a little time to think about their character and how they fit into this all you know yeah i th- i think the i think that's the, the the main benefit of uh the party knowing each other is having it's what we were saying earlier of having something to grasp onto uh when you're deciding how to like role play or like what to do like you know if you know that you're you've got a really long history with one of the people in the party like you know like a you know like a i mean like a pike grog relationship yeah. i guess is what i go with then yeah you have that to just you you can just kind of do something with that yeah, yeah and it's what you said the clear framing is what it gives uh the, the, i liked how you worded that that's what it gives uh, as fun as having the characters not know each other and have the roleplay interactions of them getting to know each other, mm-hmm. it, it is risky. And it's definitely yes. a lot safer and more comfortable to have that framework set for you. 
Yeah, even even if it's not even that long-term Pike Grog thing, even if it's like a more short-term thing, it allows you to just have something to hold on to instead of, oh, well, maybe my character doesn't like anyone, which is a nightmare. Uh, or like try to find out who your character likes. Um, <laughs> just, did you guys just read the same time. I think we all read it at the same time. Everyone in chat just read fucking I'm your hero, Sarah in chat being like, just fuck Mary and kill with your party you know beforehand. What? You are indeed my hero. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how comfortable that would make a group of awkward new players that are shy. I but mean, I would be very I like it. <laughs> I like I like the idea of a bunch of like awkward nerds around a table. It's like, hey guys, you do it a fuck Mary and kill out of these weird <laughs> fantasy boys. And just seeing everyone <laughs> shrink into oblivion. Honey, how did your first D D session go? Oh mom, it was great. <laughs> I I killed someone and then I also got married and I did the sex. What? <laughs> I did a sex on them. Ah, <laughs> uh, not would, that demon game again. That's actually an interesting idea. It's completely unrelated to uh, how to make players comfortable. I, but I just wanted to explore it for a moment as a preparation <laughs> for making the group. How interesting would it be? Well, uh, substitute kill with something else, but do like, mm-hmm. I don't know, fuck, marry, and then something else uh, for the player characters. And then the characters are actually having some, uh, you know, they have to pick from the party. And some of them are former lovers and some of them are married. <gasps> and, and they have to pick these relations. Ooh, that would be delightful. Or, like, they're, like, long-term goals yeah. of, like, <laughs> your goal in this game is to fuck this person, marry this yeah. person. And, oh, betray is a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who have you, have you betrayed in the party? Betrayed. Who have you had sex with in the party? And who have you... Uh... That, this is good. But, like, I, you, you could have them all on just, like, you could have, like, a hat with lo- loads of pieces of paper. With just the one one relationship <laughs> words in, and you like take turns picking. That's that's, that's actually genuinely excellent, guys. I just completely good, right? unrelated to making people comfortable because I'm pretty sure it would make new <laughs> players fairly uncomfortable. But it's definitely something I would love to try out in a yeah, game. Yeah, right. <laughs> the funny like, thing is, the entire opposite. It's like, kind of reminding me how you start up a fate game. Like you all determine like your relationship yeah. with each other. Yeah. Mm. Oh, oh, oh boy. Just hope mm. that none of your player characters are related. And <laughs> 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 um, it's Game of Thrones. No, we cannot unless this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's genuinely excellent. Like, yeah, I mean, it might make people comfortable if all your friends are perverts, I guess. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> it's fun. Well, it'll it'll make... If you got a group of already friends and want to make them comfortable playing D&D, putting something out there like that is is great. If yeah. it's got something the other way around, where the people are strangers and you need to get them to be comfortable around each other, <laughs> it might not be the best approach. Maybe not. Like, yeah, like, if you do it in, like, a less fuck, marry, kill way, I guess. Like, have that kind of, like, maybe betrayed or, like, like betray... Yeah, like like how you do fake games. Like I don't. I'm trying to think of like other good ones, like betray. Like maybe like secret. Like you have a. You think you know a secret about someone, whether it's true or not. Is about related the players. Related is good. Ooh, related is good. And like which would be so fun if one of these a half orc and the other one's a dwarf. How did this happen? <laughs> uh, yes. Aww. 
Like, yeah. or like just like yeah, or it's like they're they're friends from like the past kind of thing. That would be yeah. excellent. Like that's that's kind of a cool way to do it. If <laughs> that would essentially be like it would be like fuck Mary Dad, right? <laughs> there, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. <laughs> I see some ways that this could go horribly wrong if the guys fall in the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no! We're not having a daddy complex on this show. Let's let's roll the d4 for who can find some like problems with that. Um, Hemko, what problems can you see with fuck marry daddy? <laughs> What up, you beautiful dweebs? It is time for the middle of the podcast break chat with Ismay. Uh, this was a very fun episode. I am sorry that I took you out of just the greatest, the greatest thing of all time, which is fuck Mary Daddy, which is just <laughs> I don't know how to I don't know how to explain what went on there, but it was something great. Uh, for plugs this week, we have as always we've got Alfred uh, over on Penny Blue on Twitch, so that's Twitch.tv for slash Penny Blue uh, to see him do it all his uh, his gameplay and stuff. Uh, also, we have Hemko on. Hemko does his uh, podcast of um, the Unlikely Heroes uh, that is also on Twitch. He does a similar thing to us where we do a live stream and also the podcast. So yeah, you go over to find him on the Unlikely GM. Um, and over on Unlikely Heroes on Twitch. Uh, I'll tell you more about it at the end, and that would be awesome. And go and go and check that good shit out. It's a very Twitch-filled episode today. You've always got me on twitch.tv forward slash ATCupGamer. Uh, so you can see me playing games and stuff as well. Everyone's doing, everyone's doing some cool shit over on the Twitch. Um, you can also find us over on, well, uh, find Crit Chat over on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Crit Chat. On Twitter at twitter.com forward slash crit underscore chat. I can't say that word real good and real proper. Um, if you go on those two, I can promise something really cool within the next couple of days. I don't know if it's cool. Okay, it's categorically uncool. That, okay, never mind. It's not cool. It's very, very lame. But I did a fun thing and it's going to come up pretty damn soon. It makes me laugh every time, but that's because I'm an idiot and I endlessly amuse myself. Um, it's like a little, it's gonna be a little teaser for our upcoming Curse of Strahd campaign. Uh, speaking of which, we have just, um, wrapped on our, well, not really first episode, but on our session zero for that, where we got introduced to all the characters, and holy shit, I'm not, they they are not here to disappoint oh my god like you, oh god so the the first actual episode will be up uh sometime in the near future we're not entirely sure yeah we don't know when our first recording date's gonna be if you are a member of the patreon and subscribe at i think it's the two dollar level i think it's the two dollar level yeah check check me on that um then you can you can get this session zero, which will be coming up really really soon. Um, where yeah, you get to be introduced to all the characters and hear us kind of um work out like their backstory and come to all the conclusions of like place names, people names. It is 
it is just the most, del- it was a delightful like hour that we all spent together. It was, <laughs> I'm so excited for this campaign. Um, this one, we're not going to be doing live things for. It is just going to be exclusively a podcast thing, uh, which you will get uh, a week or two early, I think is what I've decided. So yeah, at the Patreon, if you donate $2 or more, you can get the episodes early and also some extra special episodes, which will be super fun and cool. Um, I am the most excited for this. I will let you know close to the time what we decide the podcast is going to be called, and we'll pimp that out on the show. It features myself, Emily, Alfred, Ian, and Allie. So all the fan favorites. I, I've just arbitrarily decided that these are the fan favorites. As for our normal things, you can also find us on our Discord in the description of wherever you're listening to this. You can find us on SoundCloud if you search Crit Chat. Uh, you can give us a like, and a follow, and a share. Uh, this is a word-of-mouth podcast, so we don't really get people to listen any other way than you telling them. Um, and you can do that. You can tell them to find us on any of their podcast apps, because uh, we should fucking be there. Um, or find us on iTunes if you search Crit Chat under podcasts. And if you're on iTunes, go ahead and leave us a fucking five-star review for the five-star show and a comment of something ridiculous. Mention how much we talk about daddies. I'm sure that that will bring in a very niche, well, not a niche audience, but just an audience that's just not going to enjoy our content. We're just going to give some false advertising. Fuck it. Uh, we can always watch us live on Tuesdays at 5pm BST over on A Teacup Gamer, but if you want to just listen to the podcast, we will see you next Saturday. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the... <laughs> Emily's gone. We can't go back to Emily. I was going to throw back to one of her things, but I don't know Sorry, I'm okay. pretty hard turn, yes. Did a massive 180. <laughs> oh, I'm back. Oh, Lord. Oh, <laughs> I believe. Um, but yeah, I, wanted, I I really liked the idea of... Um, we were all pretty in agreement, but I think that it was you, Emily, that started uh, talking about having kind of one-on-one conversations. Yeah, dealing uh, individual dealing with them. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not real, because I can't teach you how to do that uh, but or anything, and so it's just very general. I, I mean, in the end, whatever advice we're going to give, the biggest thing is to be, be human, and when there's certain issues to address, um, address them. Uh, mm-hmm. I think... Uh, a lot of GMs kind of make things go on their own, go, go, think that things will work them, themselves out. Uh, if somebody's clearly one person is uncomfortable, uh, do take them aside and ask what's up. There's nothing wrong with, with straight up asking that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of what I was referring to with that. Yeah. I think, uh, we were, yeah, we were talking about how it sounds a bit like fate systems before, this is me going again into always steal things from other systems. Because, um, yeah, one of the ones from the from a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse um, games is talking about how to, like, if, if we get into, like, you get into, like, subject matter or, or anything that makes people uncomfortable, it's very much, you make sure that people know beforehand if anything makes you uncomfortable, you say, and it stops being talked about immediately. Like, it doesn't matter if this was, like, the crux of a fight or like like the crux of your story if you're uncomfortable it's gonna stop because otherwise you're not having fun it's just you playing a game of very yeah. uncomfortable D with your pals talk to people one-on-one ask them what they what they don't want what will trigger them what uh what they're expecting and what they yeah what they want to avoid um 
and, and do that. Nobody in a game that they come in to voluntarily give their time and have fun and come there to escape things, uh, no one should be subjected to anything they that makes them uncomfortable in the game. It, it, it would defeat the entire purpose and it would be incredibly disrespectful towards your player that's giving you their valuable time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, putting the little extra work, and I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm think I'm more talking to a certain audience that that I know very well the, from my boisterous, banterous <laughs> military background, where you've got the groups of all guys that play in a certain way, and and I I I want to tell them going, don't be afraid of those things, and actually go and sit down with each other before the game and talk about the things that make you uncomfortable, and actively try to avoid them and see how much it improves your game. It, it it's it's easier to kind of like look over it as something that makes people comfortable, but like yeah, just it's like D and D. Well, I was about to say D and D is not that different from real life, but like, okay, <laughs> it is quite different. Yeah, it's... it's maybe a little different, but in the way of like, yeah, just it, it make people comfortable in a real life sense is like, yeah, it's it, it's important yeah. in the game because otherwise you ain't gonna have a good good time with yeah. your friends. But yeah, I one of one of the things that I really liked um, was yeah talking about how 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 you start making people more comfortable with talking to one another in game. Because, um, yeah, we were talking a lot about how it's kind of on you as the DM at first to um, make characters, well, make the players want set the to tone. talk. Yeah, set the tone, make characters uh, talk to NPCs. Uh, how do you make that leap from, like, having them comfortable talking to NPCs to having a relationship with each other? Um Especially if it is, yeah, a group of people that might not know each other so well, but might know you because of whatever, DM reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, Emily, I think it was, yeah, you, you were talking a lot about um, having them not speak among themselves at the beginning. So, like, how, how do you think you make that transition? Uh, you make it as soft as possible. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you make it a hard, like, a, a hard transition, then everyone's kind of going to be taken not aback by it, but they're going to be made a little uncomfortable. Um, I find that usually when you're ready to start transitioning into full party communication, um, it helps to throw in an NPC into the mix who <laughs> follows them around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because that way, if uh, they're already comfortable speaking with you, the DM, in first person, and then everybody else kind of starts talking with the NPC and naturally like some of them will start like in character, like dissuading with one another. Um, Mm -hmm. Give them situations where uh, remember and take notes on how different characters react to certain situations and try to find the moment where there's like a cognitive dissonance between everybody. Um, Or -hmm. in other words, like when uh, some like if one player is lawful good and the other one is kind of just pure neutral, try to find something that would make the two of them disagree. Because disagreement is always when everyone has their own opinions. <laughs> and if your NPC yeah. is the tentpole, they will r- run around it with each other. And it won't be <laughs> super dramatic at first, but eventually the the little ties will start getting tighter and they'll have to talk. And usually when two players are like 
one player says, no, I don't want to do this. And the other player says, I think we have to. You notice the other players start to find alliances or they're trying to find like a gray area. And the important thing is not to let those fall silent. It's to let the NPC hear out their argument. Oh, sorry, Spike. <laughs> Somebody's trying to make an argument. That scared me. Spike has some like, feet. excellent timing. <laughs> that was fucking excellent. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, maybe don't, if you don't want to upset your dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I, lo- I love Spike as, like, our kind of, like, constant fifth member that is always always a little bit upset by the shit that you say that's fine (laughs) you are the two characters at odds and that's great we are we're an odd couple but yeah alfred how about you like do you uh you were also talking about yeah having characters uh speak to people one-on-one like do you have any other kind of advice for how to get them talking to one another I, I I tend to be this, I, I think I, I, I'm pretty much the same as Emily I would say it just kind of happens naturally in my experience if you're already mm-hmm. um, getting interactions one on one with people um, yeah I mean having kind of create like I, I tend to ask I actually ask more out of character questions uh, to okay. encourage like player like uh, relationships rather than that like there's there's i don't do a lot in character it's more like you know if one player is doing something and then I'll, then i'll and i know that they're like you know if one player is like let's burn the forest and there's a druid in the pie i'm like are you gonna just let that slide or like yeah. <laughs> uh, just go with your players yeah pretty much <laughs> uh but yeah just yeah i think the but in general the the in, in like interplayer role play just kind of comes out naturally that's definitely been my experience mm-hmm. like there, like just just times where there's like like it, once we've been doing it for a while there'll be there, there was like there was a time it, it seems to come completely out of nowhere it always surprises me like we we, we, were, we were everyone was in the room like looting some stuff and then like uh there were these like weird golden statues or something that i generated and then someone was like oh i want them and and i was like oh they're they're an icon of orcas or something and the cleric was just like i must destroy them and then everyone in in the party was like no they're worth money and like yeah everything starts kicking off and yeah yeah i like i like our most recent advice is just like find a way to make your characters not like each other because that's how you get people talking (laughs) pretty much (laughs) like yeah 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 that's not gonna be immediately perfect and it's gonna be awkward at first but but it takes some practice and then you get there um what i what i had with the main campaign i think last time we well not last time we spoke but on a previous episode we spoke about stealing from other games and i talked about the uh the cards from several worlds that you draw with a subject on it and you get a point of inspiration if you Mm -hmm. if you work you know, the answer to the subject on the card that your character drew into a conversation. It gets yeah. people talking around the campfires. It gives them a reason to talk about some subject, talk about their background. And you can kind of introduce that. And uh, it, it's you, you have to give them one little handheld like that. And I love the idea of the handheld of having an NPC around. If that, that's a handheld, they can help. They can bounce off the NPC if they're not bouncing off each other. And then get comfortable talking to each other while that's happening. 
back then I was using that system. I'm not anymore. And people ask me like, why why aren't we drawing the cards with the subjects anymore? I'm going mm-hmm. because they don't need it anymore. You guys have started, you know, they have to encourage you guys talking amongst each other, and you've gotten so comfortable with it that it's happening automatically anyway. Um, yeah. It, there's no more encouragement needed. So it'll happen eventually on its own mm-hmm. it does mean it is do people do anything to like you you say that the i like the idea of the cards because it gives you something to it's basically something for when you want them to have like a campfire scene i guess yeah, uh, yeah. and i was wondering if if like do people do they naturally decide to have scenes at the campfire if if you're not using that because uh, like the they're gonna naturally start role-playing after a while i like i get that but yeah I really love the the campfire scene, I guess, and to just ha- just have a few moments of a couple of characters chatting about something. Um, but I don't know how to, you know, create that. I mean, I guess the cards is a is a a good idea, and to just structure it like that. But yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you guys have structured like campfire sessions? I do. I do have the campfire sessions, uh, but they're not like every night you do a campfire. Because I've had yeah. lots of times where there's a week of travel and I will only do one campfire scene for that entire week. It's like, okay, so there's a campfire, you guys, uh, you know, I'll just, as you always do as a DM, you sit the tone, you describe it, you're sitting at the campfire, the forest making sounds around them, um, however you want to describe it. But at that point, because they drew the card at the start of the session, not not at the start of the campfire, uh, of, uh, campfire scene. Because that would be awkward. And that's the moment that at the start of the session, they get the cards and they look at them and go, okay, interesting. So they, in their mind, they're already thinking about something in the background, what they would say. And then when the campfire session comes up, they're already ready to go because they already thought about it. They're not being put on the spot, right? Whether they... Mm. Um, you, you give people some opportunity to, to think about things ahead of time. Um it's like, oh, this is a conversation I would... This is what my character would say if I'm given the chance this session. That's kind of uh, kind of how it goes. And, and, and because a lot of players... Um, and you got to accept that some people aren't that comfortable thinking on their feet, especially when mm-hmm. they're still trying to get in the comfort zone. So if you could suddenly present them with, you know, talk about your character's background, they'll go, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> um, 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 yeah, and you get nowhere. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's how that goes. Um, and sometimes the campfires, if if um, if nothing happens, if it's like, hey, all right, you're shooting a campfire, and I just straight up out of character ask, is there any guy, thing you guys want to talk about? People go, no, I think we're going to get an early sleep, is what the players maybe say. And then that's the end of the campfire session. Sometimes that's just how the players feel. I've always found that how, when, when my character, when my players want to talk, it always happens at, a time where they have like a big time crunch or like they have to do one thing or another thing and they both have a time limit on it players like nothing more than to be like oh i have no time this is when my monologue begins um like i found that for whatever reason um like mostly because like those times are like a high stress time and high stress is when people kind of feel the need to justify themselves and that might have a campfire s scene of like we need to do this because of my history i need to do this because blah blah, blah my 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 brother died and my brother's ghost might be there i don't know um but yeah it, it's just one of those things of like yeah like technically they should be hurrying to do whatever they're supposed to be doing but at the same time it's good it's good like interpersonal talk so you know, the time that they have to get there might be extended, conveniently the amount of time it takes for them to have a heart-to-heart. Uh, 
Uh, sometimes yeah. logic has to go out the window for yeah. coolness factor and awesome scenes yeah. so they want to do a monologue every superhero scene we've seen every movie and stuff where the bad guy does a monologue it makes no sense but it's cool mm-hmm. but it's gonna roll happen. with it <laughs> uh emily how about you have you when did your campfire scenes happen uh i i kind of uh, I don't really like to do <laughs> campfire scenes too much, at, at least in the campaign I'm running right now, uh, because mm-hmm. I don't know about your players, but my players really, like, they, they enjoy talking amongst each other, but they, they're they really intent on resolving the conflict at hand. So it's like, they'll, I think I mentioned this before, like, if they have the choice between finding out new information from a player or returning something for the main quest they will always opt to do the main quest thing but is it is it an or thing because they, they do need to camp at a certain point um the the way that we do uh travel and resting is more uh uh like a montage kind of thing so it, it's through skill checks so whenever we have to do a series of skill checks to travel to get to somewhere, I include in that montage, like, okay, and you're all fully rested <clears throat> before you get to your next destination. That's how we do it. Mm-hmm. That's just like a kind of personal preference because they also got bored with the <laughs> with the camping thing and the skill check was a Aww. way for them to... Um, to figure out new ways their character could be useful in a situation beyond just their magics and their weapons. Uh, oh God, what was the original question? It's going. To, oh no, it's just like I was going to go back. It was about campfires. Um. Oh yeah, if if there's like if you're not having those campfire scenes, then like when is it that your characters have those um like connection moments where they That's reveal right. their monologue backstory? um i uh the thing i like to do with that is i usually call i kind of like to call them retrospectives where Mm -hmm. either after they've like accomplished something i have a chance for them to all kind of decompress and again it's usually the npc leads it and they kind of walk away and most of the time like if if thankfully i've done my job well after Mm -hmm that scene where it's like a catharsis of emotion they're not so much speaking in character but they're emphasizing how their characters feel at the end of it which i really like okay um and then at other times it'll be um i introduce a piece of their story and i allow them to kind of speak on about it and then the other characters will ask questions naturally like oh do you want to speak about this and the fun thing too is sometimes they don't like giving each other information, which yeah. is interesting. So, love um, secrets. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of how, how I do it. I have the philosophy of even with battles, uh, everything has to be done to further the plot or further the story. So I don't really yeah. like adding big stopping points more more than just kind of like having a moment to breathe and then move forward. I do like the idea. I like I I. I I, I use uh, kind of uh, beliefs. I think we talked about it before with XP and house rules, um, mm-hmm. but like character beliefs. And as part of that, at the end of a session, if people think that their beliefs, beliefs have changed or resolved or something, then they like 
clear it and put a new belief on their sheet um Mm. maybe that was too brief a description but (laughs) i think that that's a good time because that's like yeah that's like the decompression moment and it would be i i think i i like i would like to use that as an excuse to have a scene i guess uh in like kind of the same way that you were describing like talking about how the characters feel yeah and on the subject of making people comfortable with that i think it's i think the best way to make people comfortable doing that is to give them some heads up it feels like something very hard to suddenly improvise if you just throw it on them it's like okay role play that your belief has changed go 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 say that in character i mean if they know that's coming at the end of the session it's um Mm. kind of mentally prepare yeah i mean the, the belief thing is like you know like, like like the player decides if they're res- resolving their belief like it like it like it can, it's something that should that you're thinking about as you're role-playing your character and then yeah. by the end of the session you already kind of know um you've made the decision yourself and then um yeah so i i feel like a, a scene would naturally appear out of that uh, but yeah. if it didn't, then you just wouldn't push for it, I guess. But Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But giving people the opportunity to do some small scripted things is actually really nice because it makes people comfortable. Mm. They're not always improvising, but actually going, oh, this is a little bit I'm going to say, and then improvisation will come out of it. But, you know, they can... Yeah. That's a really good point, actually. Just in general, like, I really like the idea of having giving players the chance to have scripted moments, I guess, in quotation marks, yeah. uh, rather than improv. That's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we're gonna have to stop ra- start wrapping up, my dudes, which is annoying because we've got like a million other things to talk about. Sounds like, um, but yeah, if we do have more, then you'd be able to read them if you like are on our Patreon. So that's just a cool extra thing. Um, but yeah, so that's all that we get to do this week. Um, let's go over some plugs. Uh, Alfred, what's your plug for us? Uh, just twitch.tv slash pennyblue. Um, I hang out. We'll be playing stardew valley tomorrow <laughs> we will uh, oh, more stardew uh, and uh yeah just yeah come down and say hello <laughs> you say hello to the penny blue um hemko how about you what you got for us well as uh always i welcome people to come mm-hmm. check out the game that we play uh unlikely heroes uh D game with all the cliches we talked about started in a yeah. tavern there are of rats course. in the basement <laughs> and goblins raiding the caravan and yes. an evil princess <laughs> um, I always mix that one up the dragon needs saving from the evil princess something like that anyway it's uh, on Sundays <laughs> at oh, time zones 7pm uh, yeah. British time British time, time. Whatever, whatever the summertime one is for us <laughs> you, yeah the, the one that's in England um <laughs> 2 p.m. EST for the Americans listening. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. You should uh, come check it out if you uh, want to see uh, how we play D&D. Yeah, yeah. Um, as always, you can come and see me on at Teacup Gamer on Twitch if you want to see me play games uh, and date people. It's mostly me playing either point-and-click <laughs> adventures or me playing dating sims because I have, I'm have i a simple girl of simple wants. <laughs> and those are my only wants. I have my oh, yeah, I forgot the link. I'm sticking to it. Ooh, yeah, uh, I've got twitch.tv slash unlikely GM. Yeah. That is kind of useful to help people find it. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, you, you can always find the links to all of the things down in the description of the episode that you're listening to. And all the links will be there for your convenience. Yes. 
Um, as for Crit Chat, you can find us on Twitter at crit underscore chat and talk to us there or tag us using the hashtag crit chat hashtag. Um, or you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash crit chat, all one word, and see the weird crap we put there every week as well as getting like updates for the episodes. Uh, wherever you're listening, you can go in the description to find our Discord channel to join in our discussion, as well as a link to our new Patreon and our SoundCloud, where you can listen to and download the previous episodes. You can also find us on iTunes by searching Crit Chat and Podcasts and leave us a five-star review for the five-star show. Or find us wherever podcasts are at, where where those good podcasts is all at. Um, and yeah, you can always watch us live on Tuesdays at 5pm GM, or BST, I forgot it again, um, <laughs> on Attic of Gamer. But until then, I've been Ismay. I've been Alfred. I've been Emily. And I've been Remco. And that's been the first time we've done this properly for a long while. See you later, nerds. Yeah, boy. Join us live on Twitch, Tuesdays at 5pm on A Teacup Gamer.